0: God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend to pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad you're joining me on this episode. I think we've got a really good one for you on today's episode. I'm going to discuss uh, many uses of having comfrey on the homestead and why every homesteader, I believe, should be growing it. I'm going to talk a little bit about what varieties to grow and the benefits of it and where to get it. So uh, stay tuned for that. I think that's going to be really uh, helpful to those who have considered comfrey or, or maybe you have it growing on your property and you don't really know how to best use it. Uh, so we'll be talking all about that today. But before we jump into that, how about an inspirational quote for, uh, for you today? Uh, this comes from Bill Watterson from Calvin and Hobbes. He says, I say, if your knees aren't green by the end of the day, you ought to seriously reexamine your life. And, uh, I can't agree with that more. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy my time spent in the garden, and you know what it—it it really does give you a different perspective, doesn't it? I mean, when you when you work in your garden and you look closely at the, the 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 active ecosystem that you have right there, it just makes you keenly aware that there's just so much more going on in the world than what you're normally aware of and it uh, it really does help you see the world with a with a fresh set of eyes. So, get out there in a the garden and just take a close look at things. It's it's enjoyable. So, uh, anyway, uh how about some homestead updates? It's been uh what, 4 weeks since I did a podcast and uh things have been really busy around here. I tried to do them more often than that as you know, but uh time got away from me. Last weekend my youngest daughter graduated from college, so we went away for the weekend to to visit her and then watch her graduate. So, that was a good time and um you know, we've been doing a lot of stuff around here though. I've also had to work a lot of hours at my regular day job and they had me working some uh, some weekends for the last couple, you know, couple weeks before that. So uh yeah, it's been pretty busy, but did manage to uh I purchased some uh, ladybugs and some praying mantises for the property here and turned them loose. And I, well, it was actually praying mantis, egg sacs, and those hatched. I didn't see them hatch, but the egg sacks are empty where I put them. So they're out there somewhere running around. I have seen a lot of the ladybugs. I actually haven't seen the praying mantis around, but I have seen some ladybugs uh, all over the garden. So they're sticking around doing their job. Hopefully the, uh, the praying manis I'll start seeing them. They're just doing a good job of hiding, I guess. I don't know. um, But things are going really well uh, here on the homestead. The garden's looking really good. Uh, The greenhouse is about empty with the um, vegetables I started from seed. I've been transplanting them all into the garden beds, and and that's been going real well. So I'm off to bigger and better things with the greenhouse. I'm starting to propagate a few uh, uh, cuttings, and um, I've got some flowers going in there. And I did put a... Uh, the entire bottom on one side, I turn into a fish tank, uh, a, a little pond, uh, so to speak underneath the bottom shelf there. And I put a few goldfish in there and I've actually got some pots setting in that water that I'm doing some, um, wicking beds with. I, I, you know, put rocks on the bottom and then I separate, you know, put some landscape fabric in between and then the soil and, and, um, I'm just kind of just trying it out and just seeing how that would go. And it's working really well. I got some arugula going down there and it's growing real good. I've got, um, let's see some celery, uh, some spinach. I got a few things going down there and it seems to be growing uh, pretty good. So just a little experiment, uh, trying to do something different. The other side on the bottom underneath the shelves, I'm going to grow some tomatoes in there and just let them kind of fill up the one side of the greenhouse, uh, this time of the year when I'm not doing, uh, uh starting seeds in there and such. So that, that, that's going to work out real well. Also, we planted some new fruit trees here on the homestead. I put in three more pear trees and another, uh, it's a delicious red apple, and uh so i'm excited about those and that was actually like three weeks ago i put those in and they're looking really good uh you always have to be careful especially when the temperatures start climbing pretty fast when you're planting new trees and these are pretty good sized trees so you really want to water them heavy when you first put them in and and just make sure you get that depth right and just just pay special attention to them for the first few weeks and they look like they're doing really well. Um, there was the first week and a half that I planted them, the temperatures went way up and it, you know, it was a mid eighties and really sunny and no rain. So I was really putting the water to them, but now the temperatures have dropped down just a little bit and it's been uh, raining for two or three days, kind of like a steady soft rain and it's been really good for them. And it has made the garden blow up. And speaking of the garden, um, a few I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. Now we had a, a frost uh, come through here, and um, early in the morning, and I just wasn't paying attention to the temperatures and and the frost warnings that much. And uh, that I had like three things that got hit. I don't know why just those three things. It was it was landing in some parts of the yard and it wasn't frosting in other parts. And but my potatoes got re- hit real hard, and they looked. Well, they looked dead. I mean, they really did. They laid down flat and they turned brown and they just didn't look good. and I thought, well, I lost my potatoes, but I had posted a picture in our homestead front porch Facebook group uh by the way, you should be part of the homestead front porch uh, group if you're not uh that is our official Facebook group uh for this podcast. Just search Homestead front Porch on Facebook and uh, it's a closed group, but all you have to do to join is ask we have like Over ten thousand members in that group now. It's going really well. A lot of great folks in there. So be a part of that. But anyway, I uh, I had posted a picture of those potatoes, how the frost had got them, and said, "Well, I guess I lost my potato crop. I'm going to start over." And several people assured me, "Like those things will come right back. Don't even worry about potatoes." And uh, by golly, they were right. I posted a picture just this morning and those things are just back 100% looking great. So frost doesn't seem to hurt the potatoes. I mean, they will kill the, the plant, but those plants just come right back up. So it's not nothing to worry about. However, my cucumbers and Kentucky pole beans weren't quite as lucky, but I wasn't as worried about those because I actually had other plants going good in the greenhouse. So I just replaced those um with the ones out of the greenhouse so those those were that was fine so didn't hurt me a bit there um everything else is looking really good a lot of squash growing already I've already been eating a lot of fresh strawberries um lots of lettuce and spinach oh I love the the lettuce and the spinach is doing so good this year and the uh, kale is doing really good too so having a lot of a lot of good greens to eat already so we're starting off strong in the garden this year. I'm enjoying it. So hope your garden is going well also. And uh, and what I want to talk about today is com- comfrey. And that's the great thing about comfrey. It's a great fertilizer for your garden. And I have just done that. Uh, I have chopped down, already done a complete chop down of, of some of my plants, my comfrey plants, and I've scattered those leaves all around my garden beds and, and in some raised beds and in lots of places around some trees for fertilizer. And, I, you know, and it started growing back already. This stuff is just amazing. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to talk about, uh, you know, about Comfrey on the homestead. But before we jump into that, I also want to just talk about a couple um, articles I ran across. So I, I like to just share a couple articles every time or on every podcast here recently. Just some relevant news, things I think can inspire you, give you a little inspiration, or it can motivate you, or maybe just kind of let you know what's going on out there in the homesteading world. And I ran across a couple Uh, great articles um the first one's titled urban farmer turns town garden plot into permaculture experience and and this article actually comes from abc news out of australia and i just think australia is so far ahead of the united states when it comes to uh, permaculture and urban farming especially and i'll read a little bit of this article but i just think it's a it's an inspiring article and and something you might want to go check out and read and and again, be inspired by, um, it starts out saying, uh, whether you consider it an alternative way of le- living or a deeply traditional way of growing food, permaculture is making inroads in some unexpected places. Market Street Mudgee, I guess is how you pronounce it, is typical of the average street in the average Australian rural town, square brick houses, squared off lawns, surrounded by square garden beds and regimented shrubs. It is a treescape from the great Australian dream of homeownership. The The red brick bungalow with the lawn in front and the hills hoist and barbecue out the back. But one house on Market Street is a bit different. It breaks the mold with a profusion of foliage, piles of mulch, and vegetables growing alongside, above, and below the flowers. There are no straight lines. The order here is more random than contrived. This is Christine Corner's own particular corner of Mudgee, her urban permaculture farm, which lives side by side in harmony with her more conventional neighbors. Permaculture is described as the development of agricultural ecosystems intended to be sustainable and self-sufficient. We would all love to have a farm, she said, but we can't all afford that. We don't all have time to do that, but you can pack a lot into a small yard, and that's what I'm trying to show people. Permaculture is about integrating Integrating the plants and also your lifestyle and your animals as well. During the past six months, Miss Corner has taken her garden from suburban residential to thriving small production system. With carefully designed complementary plantings to create the ideal growing conditions. I have always grown my own food. Ever since I was little, she said, my grandmother started me off doing that. Miss Corner bought her block in Mudgee 11 years ago when she moved from Sydney, but her focus on developing its productive capability is only relatively recent. Now, I'm not going to read the whole article here, but there's some good pictures of her garden, of her front yard, and her backyard. And I think you should go read the article. And the reason I, I, I brought this article up, and I wanted to put a link to it in the show notes, is I do find it inspiring. And I also feel like so many people, including myself, are in this same situation. You've heard my story, if you listen to this podcast very long, about how I've just spent half my life waiting until I could get that perfect place to build a homestead. When what I didn't realize was, you can build a homestead right where you're at. And I think so many people are waiting for that one day. And I say, start where you're at. Do what you can where you're at right now. And and this lady's doing that. uh, I'm doing that. So many are starting to do that. And they're making a real difference in their health. And, and and they're making a difference in their communities as well. I, I see her being an inspiration to her neighbors. Um, here, at ABC News is writing an article about her. So she's obviously inspiring a lot of people. Um, she's making a difference. And she's encouraging people to, whether she even means to in every way or not, she's encouraging people to do the same. So I just think articles like that are really inspiring. And I like, I like to read those kind of things. But I also ran across this article. And this one takes place in uh, Detroit. Uh, the title is Detroit Urban Farming Plan Shifts to Be More Neighborly. Now I'm going to read a little bit of this, and then I want to talk a second about it, because this one has a little bit of a different twist here, I think. starts out saying, Glenn Jones would have liked to see new housing go up on the empty lot that abuts his property on Detroit's east side. Maybe a new business that would bring jobs to the neighborhood. When he and other residents saw renderings of an 11-acre redevelopment project that would instead convert the vacant land into one of the city's first large-scale U-pick orchards featuring the Michigan apple, they balked. Though the nonprofit behind the urban agricultural project said it would employ some locals, Jones said that the plan did not sit well with some. People were furious. They were talking about taking down several houses, says Jones, 53, from the front porch of his home that overlooks the vacant property. Others speculated that Wolverine Human Services, the youth services nonprofit, purchased the property through the Detroit Land Bank Authority's Community Partners program would force the young, would force force the young people and its care into free labor. <laughs> Wolverine uh, leaders listened and scaled down the 11 acres and has been reduced to less than a half an acre with 350 trees. The hope is that once neighbors see benefits, they'll embrace an expansion. The perception was that we had a completely realized vision for the land, and the community wouldn't have any say, said Greg Hoffman, Director of Community Relations at Wolverine Human Services. To reach a compromise, Wolverine organizers uh, this year held a series of meetings asking residents what they wanted, what they heard, housing, job training, essentially a shot at revitalizing the neighborhood and seeing the same type of big investment happening in other parts of Detroit. Now, I think that's all great. This article goes on and on. I won't read the whole thing again. It'll be a link in the show notes for you to check out. But I find it interesting. First of all, I, you know, I respect the Wolverine Human Services uh, for for making a compromise, you know, because so many people just got frustrated by the attitudes Uh, of those that they're wanting to help that they would have been just maybe gave up and went to someplace else but they made a compromise they said okay we won't do 11 acres we're going to do a half acre we're going to do what we can we're going to try to make a difference we're going to help you guys see that what we're here to do is not going to bring harm to this neighborhood i respect them for that but at the same time i look at those neighbors and i go wow you know your community has suffered so much financial turmoil and 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 it's just such uh, in a rundown state and all these things are happening where jobs and and uh, loss and 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 just the the whole housing market collapse and just everything that's happened in in the city of of detroit it's just been such a rough time on the people to see something like this one to come in make a difference Uh, It goes on to talk about how they want to use the produce, and I didn't read into this yet, but uh, I mean, it says the orchard will feature a green space area for picnics, a pathway for walking and biking, Uh, residents will be able to sign up for membership to use a 2100 square foot hoop house for year round gardening. A weekly farmers market during the summer months will allow those gardeners to sell their produce and any excess crops will be used at Wolverine Soup Kitchen, which is across the street from the site in which the nonprofits, uh, the nonprofit wants to renovate for use as a commercial space. I mean, they're wanting to do a lot of good in this neighborhood and it seems like the folks in the neighborhood are fighting against it. So I don't know. I don't know the whole story. You're reading one article and you say, eh, you know, it'd be easy to come against the neighbors there because you don't know the whole situation. But I am glad to see that they reached a compromise. There is going to be a half acre put in, 350 trees going in, uh, you know, a hoop house for community gardening. I love to see these things. And I just hope more people and more cities will get on board. And do what they can to make a real difference in their communities. And I I hope this turns out to be everything that it could be. And uh, I think it's a good article. There's a lot more in that article. Again, if you want to read it, uh, go to uh, the show notes. And by the way, the show notes for this episode um, can be be found at uh, smalltownhomestead.com. Forward slash sixty two. So go yeah, go check out the show notes, find the links, and, and look at those articles. I think they're really worth reading, and uh, maybe you have a different opinion on them, and you can maybe jump in the comments and uh, share your opinion on these articles. I think they're interesting reads, and uh, one is making, both are making a positive difference, but one's getting some some pushback that surprises me just a little bit. So. Again, I don't know the whole story, so I try to be fair as I can when I'm reading things like that, knowing that there may be things behind the scenes you don't know about, so we don't get everything in a blog post. So uh, taking that into consideration uh, from what I see, uh, it looks like a lot of good could be done from this in the community. Well, let's jump on into our main topic for today, and that is about, we're going to talk all about uh, comfrey on the homestead. Uh, What is comfrey? Maybe you're not familiar with it. Well, comfrey is a perennial herb. Most commonly known for its qualities as a fertilizer and as an herbal medicine. Um, Comfrey is known as a dynamic accumulator. And and what that means is because of its long tap roots, it has the ability uh, to pull nutrients from deep in the soil up into its leaves. Now, there's there's several varieties of comfrey. And this is where I, you know, even me, at one time I was pretty confused about, okay, what varieties of comfrey do I want on my homestead? And I've had some other people ask me this question. So let's talk a little bit about varieties. There is what's called a common comfrey. And it's a perennial. It's native to Europe. It's a three-foot-tall plant, including the flower stock. Um, It has been used medicinally for thousands of years by many different cultures. But it can be somewhat invasive because it has viable seeds. And it spreads them real easy. The roots on these, however, are not invasive. True comfrey seeds, they germinate really quickly especially on wet soil. So common comfrey, it, it can be an invasive plant to have on a homestead. But what most folks who practice permaculture or homesteaders would recommend would be a Russian variety of comfrey. Now these are these are a, um, a cross, the Russian varieties are, uh, between uh, common comfrey and rough comfrey. And it grows to about four foot tall, uh, including the flower stalk. Uh, There's actually 21 cultivars of Russian Russian comfrey, but the number 4, the Bocking 4, and the Bocking 14 are the most common. Um, Russian comfrey has purple, white, pink, red, blue flowers. I mean, it can have different color flowers. The seeds on Russian comfrey are not viable, which is really important. Um, It has to be reproduced by the root or the crown cuttings. Um, it produces about 100 to 120 tons per acre of biomass per year. This is three times the amount that the common uh, comfrey produces. And again, there's 21 cultivars of this, but the most common ones are the Russian comfrey Bocking 4, and Russian comfrey Bocking 14. Um, now, I'm going to just explain a few of the differences between those two because those are what you're mostly going to see for sale out there. If you're trying to make a decision on which one you want, some people recommend the four. Some people recommend the fourteen. Let me just start out by saying that both the four and the fourteen are great, both great cultivars. But there's some slight differences in them. But they both can be used for either fodder or fertilizer. Let's talk about the the Bocking fort first. More, this is more commonly used as a fodder for feeding livestock. The roots of the Bocking four they go down eight to ten feet, which makes it slightly more drought resistant. Uh, than the Bocking 14. Also, the leaves are slightly wider. Um, now, the Bocking 14, this is the cultivar that's more commonly used as a fertilizer because the leaves are more narrow. It causes them to break down slightly faster. The roots on the, the 14 go down six to eight feet, which makes it a little less drought resistant than, than the Bocking 4. But now Bocking 14 is actually a little bit more rust-resistant. Now, rust is a fungal disease uh, that can affect comfrey, so it's a little bit more resistant to that. Um, Comfrey's MPK ratio is 1.8, 0.5, and 5.3, and the dried comfrey leaves contain 26% protein. So as you can see, comfrey is a great fertilizer, but it's, it's, it's a great fertilizer and it's also a great fodder for animals. Uh, It's also the only uh, plant known to harvest vitamin B12 from the soil. So, again, it's got some great qualities to it. Um, Let's talk about using comfrey. What are some of the uses? Maybe you have comfrey on your property. You're considering getting it. What are some of the uses for it as a fertilizer? First, uh, it's a great compost activator. If you include comfrey in the compost heap, a little, you know, some, you don't want to overdo it. uh, Put too much in there. It, it becomes unbalanced. Um, but if you put a, a little in there, it helps to activate the uh the 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 pile because it adds nitrogen and it helps to heat the heap. It shouldn't be added in quantity because it actually breaks down into a dark, sludgy liquid um and it does throw it off balance and you have to end up adding more a carbon material. So it's just a great thing to add into your compost piles to really get them going. It makes a fantastic compost tea uh, how you do this is you you take um you take a just a, a wad of leaves and maybe a five gallon bucket or, or a bigger trough or something and you just submerge a bunch of leaves down in the water i like to use rain water that way you don't have if you live in a city or whatever you don't have that problem but uh, you have to soak them in some water for four to five weeks it'll just become this nasty just just horrible smelling water but it's a great fertilizer. You put that in and, and sprinkle that around on your garden. It's just a fantastic uh, compost tea for your garden. A great fertilizer. Uh, one of the methods I use around here most commonly is just chop and drop. I just take a, a layer of comfrey leaves and I place them around a crop. And it, uh, it'll just slowly break down and it'll release the uh, plant nutrients. Um, now, I've heard that you want to avoid using the flowering stems around your plants and stuff because they can actually take root and start growing comfrey in your garden. Now I've never had this happen and I have chopped down. I chopped down the entire plant and I'll just spread stems and flowers. And I mean, I'll put it all around everything, but I'm just warning you that there are folks that say don't do that because they can take root. And I think if you're going to throw soil over it, especially, or or, or maybe mulch over it or something, you probably wouldn't want to do that. Laying on top, it seems to dry out and, and, That's the thing about about comfrey. It dries out really fast, and in a couple days it's brown, you know. And so um, I just not had that problem, but just a warning that evidently that can be a problem. Um, It's great as a companion plant uh, for fertilizer also. There are actually soil tests that confirm that when comfrey is planted alongside other plants, and especially other perennials and trees, that soil nutrients will actually increase. So it's a great plant to just interplant within your garden or around trees or around other, other plants. So just um, keep that in mind that it's great just like that. And again, it makes the chop and drop even easier if you, if you'd use that method um, when you're fertilizing your garden, which I do a lot of that. I mean, that's mostly what I use my fertilizer for or my uh, comfrey for, but it's not the only thing I use it for. So, uh, I also use my comfrey as livestock feed. Let's talk a little bit about using it in that way. Uh, Russian comfrey can produce, like I said earlier, 100 to 120 tons per acre of leaf biomass per year. This is about 12.4 tons of dried comfrey leaf per acre. As a comparison, if you want to compare that to alfalfa, it yields about 18 tons per acre. So it's less than alfalfa, but you're talking about a perennial that you never have to replant. It's going to keep coming back and keep coming back. Corn produces about 25 tons per acre before it's dried. And pasture grass is about 25 tons an acre. Again, it's way less than those, but it's a perennial that you plant once. So it has its benefits as a livestock feed and it can be done in different ways. I mean, you can, uh, there are people who plant it all over a field and they just, they do grazing over it and you don't want to overgraze it though, because it can, it can kill it. Uh, but again, it can be used that way where you can just pick it and, and, and dry it and add it to their, you know, and add it as our feed. Um, the protein amount in dried comfrey is 20 to 30%. Now, as a comparison, most beans, are around or legumes are around 8 to 9% and soy beans are around 17%. So you're talking a really high protein amount here for your animals, which is why I love to feed it to my rabbits. I love to feed it to quail and chickens. They love it. Now, I first got my quail, they wouldn't eat it at first, and for whatever reason they got older, now they love it. I throw some in their cages now and they just they just shred it. They love it. Rabbits absolutely love it. Um So it's a great, it's a great livestock feed. Um, But that isn't all, that isn't all you can do with comfrey. It does make a great fertilizer. It does make a great livestock feed, but also comfrey is a very popular, uh, is a very popular medicine, uh, medicinal herb. Um, It's used uh, as a a poultice or as in an oil or a salve uh, to treat skin irritation. It can treat minor cuts and wounds. Very important, minor cuts and wounds. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, It speeds healing of broken bones. Did you hear that? It speeds healing of broken bones. Yes, it does. Um, It's actually, uh, from what I understand, uh, the name actually means bone knit. Uh, So it it actually can heal a broken bone quicker. Um, Here's the warning, though. Don't use comfrey. On deep wounds, because it can actually heal the skin too quickly, which can aid in a possible infection because it doesn't close up underneath quick enough. You have to pretty much heal a wound from the you know, inside out. You don't want to just make the skin heal too quickly. So uh, don't use it on deep wounds. Absolutely not. Uh, use it on minor cuts and wounds, and it works very well. And, and again, uh, I, I won't go into how to make a poultice or an oil or a salve. If you Google any of that, you will get great instructions and uh, slight variations maybe in each one on how to make any of those things. A poultice is the simplest thing to do. A little bit of water, crunch it up, get get it, you know, all soft and gooey and, you know, just smear it on wherever the problem is. Um, oils and salves are a little bit, not, not very complicated to make, but, you know, a little bit of uh, practice to that. Uh, you just need to know how to do it. And the salve is very good. I love using the salve. You can just smear that on something and it works really, really good and it's easy to make and it stores a long time. And and I just like using the salve form of it. Um, you can also, can also use it, have an internal use of it as well. Um, warning though, here's my warning in 2001 the United States Food and Drug Administration issued a ban of comfrey products marketed for internal use and a warning label for those intended for external use. In addition to restrictions on oral use, some experts recommend applying comfrey extracts no longer than 10 days in a row and no more than four to six weeks a year. I don't, I don't want to say a lot to that. That's your warning. That's, that's the, the, from the United States Food and Drug Administration. There are a lot of people that disagree with that. There's a lot of people who take it internally. I'm not advising you do that if you don't know anything about it and you don't feel safe about it. Okay? Uh, but it can heal internal wounds in a digestive tract. Now, whether it's safe in the way it does that or not, can it cause other damage? Yeah, it can. I, I have no doubt that it could if you did too large of an amount of it. But, uh That's, that's the law. That's the rule. Now that's for the United States. If you're listening to this elsewhere, maybe, maybe it's not a problem, but all I know is for years and maybe even hundreds or of years, it's been used internally even. Um, but can it cause other problems? Possibly. So just be careful with it and, and use your own discretion on that, on how you use it as a medicine, but as a topical medicine, Absolutely. Absolutely something else though i wanted to talk about comfrey is as is as an income now i added this as a quality of comfrey to have it on your homestead because i do think it makes a great commercial crop for homesteaders not necessarily as selling what the plant produces although you could you could make salves and, and things and sell those but i also think just selling comfrey itself selling the crowns and the root cuttings so other homesteaders can grow their own comfrey as well i think is a great idea um i i plan on possibly doing that one day. I'll tell you, I started out with three comfrey crowns a couple years ago. And now I have, I don't even know, 30, 40 plants, comfrey, you know, it's really a bush. It almost grows into a big bush, um, all over my property now. And I mean, almost small 10th acre, urban property and I've just got it everywhere, scattered within garden beds all around my property and next to things and everywhere I can I put it. And you know what? I go through a lot of it with with feeding the livestock and, and using it as fertilizer and medicinal uses. I use a lot of it. So it spreads really quickly. I mean after a year, you can really separate those crowns and plant them other places and it grows so fast. And and you actually you can take a little piece of a root cutting and and put it in a pot or put it in the ground somewhere. And, and I tell you what, I probably have a 90% success rate on that really on just from just little pieces of root cuttings uh, from my plants. But if you take a crown, it's dang near guaranteed that you're going to have a nice grown, fast growing plant in no time. Uh, you you take a piece of the crown and put it anywhere and it just immediately starts popping up leaves. So uh, it, 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 it's easy. It's very easy to propagate and, and, and multiply around your homestead. So it doesn't take a lot. You can start with a very small amount, and uh, now if you buy the root cuttings instead, it will take a little bit longer to get a, a large plant. No doubt about that. Uh, if you get crowns, they they pop up really fast. I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna be able to start using the leaves that year, uh, where the the root cuttings might take a little longer. Um, so, I tell you what. I mean, there's lots of places online you can shop for for comfrey. I had I got mine from Marsh Creek Farmstead. Uh, I purchased those crowns a couple years ago. I couldn't be happier with them. They, they were great. They shipped them right to me and I popped them in the ground immediately and I had come free in no time. And actually, uh, just recently, uh, I had the opportunity to become an affiliate for Marsh Creek Farmstead. So if you, if you want to use the link. Uh, that I provide in the show notes for Marsh Creek Farmstead, I'll actually get um, a little kickback for that if you purchase through them. And like I said, they got great products. That's where I bought mine. It's not like I'm sending you someplace I don't know anything about. I didn't buy a lot from them. I bought some, and and, and it's been a great addition uh, to my uh, homestead. But I say wherever you can get it, get you some comfort. If you can buy it local, get it local from someone, or get it from Marsh Creek or someplace else, and, uh, add some comfrey to your homestead. I find it to be just the, the absolute best thing I've put on my property uh, as far as just the many uses, uh, out there for it. It, it. Like I said, it has so many benefits that I think that, I think that you will not regret having it on your property. So there you have it folks. Uh, the reasons and I guess the, uh, the why, when and how of, of comfrey, if you, if you will, Um uh, great, great thing to have. And I think every homesteader should probably have some on on their homestead. So uh, enough of that. Let's jump into today's recommendations. I want to recommend a couple things for you. Because I was talking about comfrey, it made me reference, uh, I look into a book a couple times on some uh, herbal uh, remedies for things and, and where comfrey has its place in that. And so I want to recommend a book. It's called The Herbal Medicine... It's called the Herbal Medicine Makers Handbook. It's a home manual. It's a really good book of, of herbal medicines. It starts with things as simple as dandelion, and it moves into the more complex plants in, your, in around that you can forage and that you can grow. It's a really good book. I It's, it's my go-to for, for making anything herbal out of anything I have. So I recommend the Herbal Medicine Makers Handbook. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. I also want to recommend to you today a YouTube channel I ran across about a month ago. And it's Morag Gamble, and it's Our Permaculture Life. And actually, she just did a couple videos a couple weeks ago um, on comfrey, on spreading it around and using it and make fertilizer and things like that. So she's she's doing a lot of neat stuff. She has a lot of great videos. Uh, great, great YouTube channel. Uh, check it out. Uh, I have a link in the show notes for that as well. Thank you to all of you who make this uh, this podcast uh easier to pay for, um, enable me to, to do it and not be a burden financially on me. Rather, there's some of you who support through Patreon. Um, I'm hoping to do more with the Patreon. I haven't been doing a lot with it. There's, I don't have a lot of folks that are given to me there. Uh, four of you, I think at this time, and I'm hoping more is coming your way as far as what I'm offering there on Patreon. Um, try to be a little bit better about that. Uh, There's some of you who just donate through PayPal. I always appreciate that. And many of you shop using our Amazon affiliate link. And I, 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 I'm so appreciative of all of you who help us financially keep this podcast going out. It's, it's not a huge, huge expense, but it does cost a few hundred dollars a year and it could be a little bit of a burden if it wasn't for folks uh, doing their part and um, helping out there a little bit. So I thank you all for that. I'm also, Uh, one of the things that makes this uh, podcast possible is encouragement. You know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think people didn't want to hear it. So anytime I get a iTunes review or a comment from somebody or an email or anything saying that you appreciate the podcast or you're enjoying the podcast, it means a lot to me and it does, it does encourage me to keep doing it. So um, yeah, I appreciate your iTunes review. So if you haven't left an iTunes review before, go ahead and do that. I always appreciate those and it does help others. Decide whether they're going to listen to this podcast or not by you know reading great reviews on a podcast. So thank you for that. Thank you for the encouraging emails, and uh, just thank you for listening and and being patient with me when I take three or four weeks off. Right, <laughs> occasionally it does happen. I miss I'll miss an episode here and there, and and then and sometimes I take a longer break. So try to get them out when I can. Uh, there are there are a million things I can talk about on the homestead. And I need to I need to do a better job about trying to get those out. But uh, hey, life is busy, and uh, it's not getting any easier. The older I get, it gets it seems to be getting busier and busier at times. So uh, squeeze them out when I can. Uh, hopefully every week, but uh, sometimes two or three weeks before I get one out. Uh, appreciate you listening, and uh, until the next episode, happy homesteading, and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.